Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VMB, the voice of Manhattan business brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at either hsstaffing.com or fishhookbooks.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me this coming Wednesday at noon when my guest will be Ann Kamen from New York Grant Company. Our topic will be Get Connected, the Power of Referrals. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, www.thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, www.manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Thorsten Schmidt from Schmidt LLC Attorneys at Law. We will be discussing what can IP law do for your small or medium-sized business, a primer in IP law. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Thorsten, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Bruce. How are you? I am well, thank you. I appreciate your uh, joining me today. I know that it took a little bit of uh, logistical ingenuity, so I thank you. (laughs) It sounds like um, this this is going quite well. Um, as I told you, I'm dialing in today from Germany because we have quite a few German clients. Um, but I hope that the connection will hold throughout the call and the podcast. And um, uh, before we start, let me, um, uh, let me uh, build in a brief disclaimer from my end as well. Um, since uh, we're a law firm, we have to do this, I think. Um, uh, let me say that nothing that we discussed today during this podcast is meant to be or should be construed as legal advice. Um, this is what's called attorney advertisement, what you hear today, and uh, you should always contact your attorney if you have any matters that you need to discuss with them and get properly tailored legal advice. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Now, now, tell us about yourself and your practice. Well, as for myself, um, prior to starting the firm Schmidt LLC in 2010, I worked for over 10 years for a big international Texas-based uh, U.S. law firm uh, in several of its offices, including Washington, D.C., London, Munich, and then finally in New York. Uh, on IP matters, uh, which is short for intellectual property, what we're talking about today, litigation, arbitration, and corporate uh, cases for U.S. and foreign clients. Um, originally, I am from Germany, studied law there before I moved to the U.S., uh, where I continued my studies and obtained also a U.S. law degree. Um, to this day, I'm still admitted to the German bar, but I'm also admitted, of course, in the state of New York at the Southern District of New York, the Eastern District, and the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit in Washington, D.C. So um, you mentioned for, our... Yes, sorry. 
our our topic intellectual property i like to start with definition so what is intellectual property that's a good question um i think the best differentiator here is to say um intellectual property is basically everything that's not tangible um uh, it is limited by law to three different areas but um Unlike tangible assets that um, everybody has in their business, for example, their office building, the car fleet, the forklifts, if there are any driving around, um, the computers in the offices, intellectual property is uh, the collection of ideas and concepts. Um, Main areas are patents, trademarks, and copyrights, uh, which our firm practices in all three of them, uh, mainly in patents and trademarks, but we also do some copyrights. they basically exist so that um, there's a legal recognition for the market participants and um, so that market participants can gain financial benefit from the creation um, of um, inventions um, and uh, trademarks and copyrights. I don't want to get ahead of uh, of myself, and we're going to discuss trademarks, copyrights, and patents in a little while in uh, more detail, of course. But you said intellectual property is intangible. But isn't a patent tangible because it's dealing with something that's been created that you can touch, you can hold it? It's, yes, that it's the method or the product that's behind it that you're talking about, but it's being protected by a legal construct, and the legal construct really protects the idea behind it. Of course, it has to be brought to paper, and then it has to go uh, through a process uh, that it becomes a, uh, a legal right, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the idea behind it is what's protected. Okay. okay. So, so, how does something how does become intellectual property? Well, it depends on the type of the intellectual property. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there are three legally recognized types of intellectual property in the U.S., patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And depending on the type, um, the creation of it um, differs. Um, with respect to patents, for example, uh, there is no legal protection of um, an intellectual property right until uh, the patent issues as a what's called a U.S. letters patent by the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Uh, in the future, I will refer to that as the USPTO. Um, with respect to the um, trademarks and copyrights, um, both have at least some protection um, uh, upon its first use or creation, respectively. With respect to a trademark, um, once you use it in commerce, Um, you have a limited so-called common law protection. However, it's very limited in geographical uh, terms and has several disadvantages compared to a federal registration with the USPTO. Once your trademark is federally registered, um, you can actually sue for damages, for example, including lost profits. You can get attorney's fees and your costs back, uh, something that you cannot get if you have only a common law protection. Um, The same applies if you register um, with a state. Um, There your your registration limits your rights um, to the state in which you actually register your mark. Um, But even there you can enforce 
um, the trademark throughout the entire state with um, similar uh, statutory remedies um, compared to a federally uh, registered trademark. Um, common law trademark owners have only the right to injunctive relief, and then sometimes also under attorney's fees. Uh, sometimes they can also get attorney's fees under Lanham Act provisions, depending on um, the state. Uh, same is or similar applies to the copyright laws. Um, once the copyright is created, um, you have a relatively limited um, uh, protection uh, unless it's federally registered. Once you have a federal registration um, with the Library of Congress, um, there is a difference for trademarks and patents. You need to go to the USPTO uh, for copyrights. You need to go to the Library of Congress in uh, Washington, D.C. But once you have a, uh, a federal registration um, uh, for copyright, you, have, um, uh, you gain the right to sue in a U.S. court for copyright infringement. So let's look at so each, look a, little at bit, each a, little bit, a little bit more detail. What is a copyright? Well, a copyright um, under U.S. law protects uh, so-called original works of authorship that are fixed in a tangible form of expression. Um, what is that? Um, copyrightable works are, for example, included in literary works, books, musical works, songs, dramatic works, plays pantomimes and choreographic works, pictural, graphic, sculptural works, motion pictures, um, sound recordings, and architectural works. So those categories are very broad, but um, there's enough case law out there um, and, and interpretation as to um, what applies uh, with respect to copyright. I don't know I if don't you know, know if you this, know because, this or you're aware of this aware because of you're in Germany right Germany now. Right and I don't and quite I don't remember quite the remember details, the details. But, there but there is now a big to-do to about, about a copyright, copyright infringement, infringement on a song, a song that, that uh, uh, I forget the name I of the band. The it's band. a very famous, very song, famous and song, and one band one is band suing, is saying that they stole the opening chords from them. And this song was first recorded, I think, decades ago. So is there any timeline? Uh, first, do you know what I'm referring to? And second, is there a timeline? Is there a statute of limitations regarding the filing of a suit for infringement of a copyright? Well, I'm not sure whether you're really talking about timeline for how long you can sue for copyright infringement. That goes back to for how long does a copyright last? Um, if you have if you have a copyright, usually um, it is protected for uh, a certain t period of time, um, and um, they're 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 rather complicated depending on when the work was created and or uh, published. But in general, uh, you can say that the term for uh, a copyright lasts for the author's life plus an additional seventy years after the author's death. So it lasts for quite a while. Um, there, what if there, the author there is a group? Does that matter? Um, there are, um, there's a slightly different um, um, application for that. I think if, if it's a group, then it's the last surviving author's death. That counts. Okay. All right. What is a trademark? What's a trademark? A trademark is something that we've all seen. <laughs> 
um, when we go to the supermarket, for example. Um, it, a trademark is, is basically a source indicator um, for a, uh, either a product or a service. Um, and um, it's, it can be a word, a phrase, a symbol, a design, a combination of words, phrases, symbols, or designs. Anything that identifies and distinguishes the source of the goods of one party from those of others. Um, that's, as I said, that's what they're called source identifiers. If, uh, if you go into the supermarket and you buy, um, um, let's say, uh, a, a detergent and you keep going back to the same detergent because you think it works very well, um, you're doing that because it has a certain name written on it. And uh, it's written on it so that you can find it easier in the supermarket. If I were to go and um, make also the same detergent with the same name on it, but it has uh, lesser effective ingredients in it, um, I'm basically infringing on somebody else's trademark. Thank you. Because you're, now, being, to... you're being deceived. You're being deceived because you're no, you think you're buying uh, product A from company A, but in reality you're buying product B from me. So the, so the trademark, trademark is really is tangible. Nah, it's not. Ta well, again, it's it's tangible. Not um, literally. Once it, and once once it once it ends up on the uh, on the packaging, um, the creative concept of coming up with it is not. Understood. Understood. Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Thorsten Schmidt from Schmidt LLC, Attorneys at Law. We are discussing what can IP law do for your small and medium-sized business, a primer in IP law. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Thorsten, this is one thing I have never been able to understand. What is the difference between a trademark and a service mark? That's very easy, Bruce. If you, if you trademark um, a word, phrase, symbol, or design, or a combination thereof, anything that I mentioned uh, previously uh, when I tried to define a trademark, if you do that for a product, it's a trademark. If you do it for a service, it is called a service mark. There's basically not a big distinction between this other than that um, one applies to the service and others um, uh, to, a, to a product. My confusion is that I've seen taglines, and some of them have the TM, and some of them have the SM. But it's a tagline for a service. For example, and I don't have this uh, trademark or service mark, but... I'm an executive recruiter. My tagline, if you will, is my mission, promoting the hiring of veterans. Now, would that be a TM or an SM? It should be an SM because what you're, what you're selling is a service and not a product. Understood. Still confused why taglines for service companies have TM, but that's their problem. Clearly, they didn't use you as an, their attorney. Exactly. <laughs> for, so, for your next service or trademark, feel free to call us. 
I shall. Now, what's the difference between the TM and SM symbols and the R in a circle? Um, the TM and the SM symbols should be used for a trademark or for a service mark, respectively. The R in a circle, however, is reserved for actually federally registered marks. So if you, as I said earlier, you, you have a trademark or a service mark um, once you start using it. You don't need a registration. Um, so there's a certain common law protection right there once you use it. Um, once you use a trademark or a service mark, you can um, source or you can you can basically add the TM uh, in, uh, next to it by indicating to the public that you intend to use the phrase, the word, the the logo, the the design as a trademark or as a service mark. Once you have a registered trademark or service mark, only then you are allowed to use the R in the circle. And that R in the circle means if you violate it, I'm suing you in federal court, not state court. That is correct. That is correct. Tra trademark law and, and, um, and patent law um, and copyright law are all federal laws, so you can sue somebody in... Um, in federal um, uh, district court in case somebody infringes upon your intellectual property. Unless, so, for example, uh, we've you have, discussed you have this a bit. Is there yes. anything you wanted additionally to tell us about uh, what a patent is? Well, a, a patent um, is a whole different animal, um, different from a trademark and different from a copyright. Um, the, a, a patent for an invention, a, a, a patent basically protects um, a patentable invention. And it, it's basically the, the, the grant of a property right to the person who invented um, uh, the invention, the inventor, uh, which is then issued by the U.S. PTO. So you would have to file an application um, and uh, there, there are three different types of patents that one can actually um, uh, have. One is the most common one, which is called a utility patent. Um, the second one is a design patent, which in the past hasn't been really that, um, uh, that effective, but um, because of recent litigation, um, especially the public has, um, has seen how, um, how valuable those design patents can be. For example, the um, patent litigation versus Apple versus Samsung. Um, and then planned patents, which um, I don't think we need to discuss uh, much about today. Um, it's about the asexually reproduction um, of any distinct and new variety of plants. But the, the most common one is the utility patent, um, which basically is granted to anyone who invents or discovers any new and useful process, machine, article of manufacture, or composition of matter, or any new and useful improvement of the above. Um, you can get a patent for um, only one reason. Um, the, only, the only right that you have as a patentee, once your, your patent issues after you filed an application with the patent office, you get the right to exclude others from making, using, offering for sale, or selling the invention in the U.S. or 
importing the invention into the U.S. What it does not, and that's something that a lot of people don't understand, um, what it does not give you the right to is um, the, the right to make the same product. You don't, you don't get the right to make the product. You get only the right to exclude others. Thereby, implicitly, you, of course, have the right to make it yourself because you have the patent on it. But the, 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 the true power of having a patent is excluding everybody else from your invention. So the best example is ph- probably pharmaceuticals. You get the patent for X number of years, and then once, <coughs> excuse me, once it expires, then your competition creates, if you will, generic versions of it. That is, that is correct, yes. Um, whereby there it's a little bit more difficult and, and, and complex. But in general, yes, it, once the patent expires, everybody else um, who, is, who is out there in the marketplace can uh, duplicate, uh, replicate your invention, and you cannot uh, any longer exclude them from making, using, or selling it, or offering it for sale, or importing it into the U.S. That is correct, yes. Now, you already and told you already us that a copyright, that copyright lasts, lasts for the lifetime of the, of the owner, owner plus, 70 plus 70 years. What about trademark, service marks, marks, and patents? And how long are they, good, are for? they good for? Well, uh, let's start with trademarks. Trademarks are basically um, uh, valid uh, forever if, if you follow the law, uh, which says that after the fifth or between the fifth and the sixth year after the registration, you have to file a declaration of use with a patent and trademark office. Um, uh, basically, you have to use your trademark or your service mark. If you don't use it, it can get canceled. Um, uh, another competitor could come and file a motion to cancel your trademark. Um, but as long as you use it, and this, this declaration basically serves as, a, as evidence uh, for the USPTO that you are continuously using uh, your trademark between the fifth and the sixth year, um, then you can get another five years of protection. And then between the ninth and tenth year, you have to file the same thing. And then every 10 years thereafter, you can file such a declaration and therefore keep your trademark or your service mark alive. If you don't file those documents timely, of course, then the registration will be canceled and cannot be revived or reinstated. And a patent? And a patent? A patent, in general, um, uh, a new patent um, term is 20 years from the date on which the application for the patent was filed. Um, in some special cases, from the date of an earlier related application, um, subject, of course, to the payment of any maintenance fees which will have to be um, filed and paid um, throughout the life of the patent. What can't be protected? protected? That's an interesting um, angle as well to look at this. Um, In general, anything that falls outside of the protected scope that we already discussed, um, some examples for copyright, any work that has not been fixed in a tangible form um, or expression, for example, uh, a choreographic work that has not been notated or recorded, uh, any improvisational speeches 
or performances that have not been written or recorded. Um, titles, names, short phrases, slogans, um, that would be um, uh, the province of the trademark. Lettering, coloring, um, any ideas, uh, processes, methods, that's the provenance of patents. Um, um, any works consisting entirely of information that's common property and containing no original authorship. Um, standard calendars, for example, height and weight charts, uh, charts. Um, tape measures, rulers, um, lists of our tables taken from public documents or other common sources. Um, trademarks, there are five different categories, so it's a little bit more complex um, uh, of uh, things that cannot be trademarked. I mentioned earlier non-use is a big no-no for trademarks. Basically, if you don't use your mark, uh, it's being uh, treated as abandoned. Um, and uh, although there are different ways how you can abandon the mark, non-use is the prime example. Um, the second example, uh, what cannot be trademarked, is a generic term. Um, for example, you cannot get a trademark on terms like computer, um, eyeglasses, chair, and so on and so forth, because um, the, the, the public associates those terms with a type of good, not a specific brand. Um, so, for, for example, um, in what, what um, uh, the, the USPTO loves to see, for example, is something that is very unique um, and not generic, um, fanciful. Uh, for example, um, Apple. Back in the 1970s, nobody would have, would have thought that Apple could ever be used um, as a term for a computer. Um, so those, those are trademarks that the Patent and Trademark Office loves. Uh, it's the opposite of generic. It's something that you would initially not even think of, and it's up to your marketing team to, uh, to educate the consumer that what the term you're using or the slogan you're using is actually something that refers to your services or to your very unique products that are completely different, don't have anything to do with the trademark. What a lot of people try to do, they try to bring the, the name of a product or a service so close to the actual service um, because it's much easier to market that the uh, Patent and Trademark Office says, no, we will not allow this trademark to go through because it is so close. And um, it, it may not be a specific brand, but more um, a type of goods. Um, another uh, another um, um, example is a confusingly similar mark. Um, anything um, that resembles another mark that is currently already registered or in use um, uh, that can cause confusion among consumers will not be trademarked. It's called likelihood of confusion. Um, there are many factors involved, uh, which has been uh, evolved um, through several uh, cases, um, going back to, to a case called Polaroid uh, versus Polarat, um, and they're, they're called the so-called Polaroid uh, factors, and the, the case is from 1961, so it's a very old case. Um, uh, another area are weak marks. Uh, a weak or descriptive mark is not protected either um, unless the owner can actually prove that consumers are aware of the mark. 
Uh, it's called a secondary meaning. Um, a secondary meaning can also evolve over the course of several years. Um, one of um, like three types of weak marks, uh, one is, for example, a descriptive mark, as I said earlier. A second one would be a geographic mark, um, uh, that the, anything that describes the location at which you have your business. Um, and the third one is the, uh, the, the, um, the last names. Um, when you when you try to register a weak mark, the USPTO may not permit um, the mark to be uh, registered under the principal register, but it may allow it into the supplemental register. And then over time, if you actually market your trademark um, to a broad enough um, group of people, uh, potential customers and consumers, and if they actually recognize it, then you can reapply with the USPTO uh, within a certain period of time, I think it's five years, and then you can actually move this into the principal register. The can you put the TM on it? You can put the TM on it whenever you want to. You just have to be careful with the R and the circle. A lot of people who, who have a weak mark that end up in the supplemental register still put the TM on there because they can, and to the, to the unknown lay person, it looks like as if it's a real trademark. Okay. Now, what happens when a company really succeeds well, like Google, and someone starts using the name of the company, which is obviously trademarked, but they start using it as a verb? As in the case of Google, Google it. Now, if somebody had to be the first person to say Google it, could they have gotten a trademark on it for the verb and not the noun? And secondly, let's take Disney, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse has to be copyrighted and trademarked. But today, people use the term Mickey Mouse disparagingly. So is that a violation of it is both would be a violation. Um, the the trademark owner, however, has to be very careful to make sure that uh, if if these uh, terms are being used in a fashion that they substitute other terms, that they actually lose trademark protection just because of that. Um, a, um, a, 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 a a very uh, often recited um, uh, comparison is, for example, Pepsi and Coca-Cola. Um, going into one of the fast food chains that serves one but not the other, uh, you will very easily find out which one they serve because if you ask for a Coke, um, which you know might have become a generic uh, term that may not be trademark protectable anymore, um, if Coca-Cola uh, wouldn't write everybody to say do not use uh, the, the word Coke um, uh, just randomly, only if you order a Coca-Cola, that person will tell you, um, we don't serve Coca-Cola, but will you also um, uh, buy a Pepsi from us? So there are, there are um, um, safeguards that a trademark owner will have to put into place to make sure that a highly successful mark um, uh, does not um, uh, lose trademark protection. Um, and Kleenex, for example, is another, uh, is another example. Last question, and it's the title. What can IP law do for small and medium-sized businesses? Why go through all this hassle? 
That's a good question. Um, since we represent not only uh, bigger companies, we also represent startups. We represent small, smaller businesses. A lot of them are family-owned and have been for generations. Um, some of them have not actually uh, bothered to look into intellectual property protection, and uh, very often it took a very rude awakening uh, for them to, uh, to realize how important intellectual property protection is. For startups, for example, a lot of startups these days, um, their only or core value um, is actually um, their intellectual property, and very often there it is their, their patents that they have. That's the only reason why they get initial funding. That's why they get a first, second, and third round of financing, and uh, that's how they can um, measure up um, uh, to the competition that's already out in the marketplace. Without any patent protection, these businesses would not be even in existence today. Um, in general, I think it's increased competition that leads smaller and mid-sized businesses that haven't looked into patent or also trademark protection in the past to do that because the competition uses everything available to them um, to become the dominant player in a marketplace. Um, if a uh, competitor um, does not have a patent on its main product, um, and it might have not had any problems in the past, um, but that will not um, allow them to think that there will not anything happen to them in the future, so that if a competitor comes in and finds out that what the process that they're using, how they're, how they're uh, producing their product, or the method, or the product itself, um, is covered by a competitor's patent, then um, it is very likely that in, in this uh, landscape today that a competitor will use their own intellectual property, their own patents, and or their own trademarks trying to cut you off uh, or make you pay uh, royalties under a license that they will force upon you unless you want to give up your line of business. And therefore, it's very important that um, small and mid-sized companies get familiarized with intellectual property law because it can get, go really to the core of their own business. Um, patents is one example. Trademarks is another. Uh, we were talking to a client just the other day uh, who told us that um, we have a company of a certain name. Uh, we, we never bothered trademarking any of our uh, services uh, where we utilize also our company name. Um, but one day we received a phone call from a customer uh, trying to reach his company he's doing business with just to find out that they called the competition. So that was the, that was the way how our client found out that there was another company out there of the same name and the same industry doing exactly the same thing. Um, and you can say maybe they were lucky because they might have gotten a new customer, um, but they, if, if the other customer is, is applying for trademark protection, um, our client might be in jeopardy. Um, anybody might be in jeopardy who is um, uh, expending a lot of money on marketing for a new product or a new service before that product is actually launched or the service is actually launched if they don't look into whether they actually have the rights to the names or can secure the rights to those uh, uh, trademarks and or uh, service marks. If they find out after they expended half a million or a million dollars, 
um, it's a very, very rude awakening, and they might have just wasted a lot of money. Thurston, I want to thank you profusely. I really appreciate you taking the time, especially since you're in Europe right now. Before I let you go, though, please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Well, let me thank you for having me today. Um, It was my pleasure, and I hope that we can repeat this at some point. Um, Once I'm back in the U.S., but um, until then we have attorneys in our offices as well, Um, our firm can be reached through our main number, 212-809-1444. And anybody who would like to send me a personal email can do so. My uh, my email is tschmidt at schmidt-llc.com. And Schmidt is spelled S-C-H-M-I-D-T. That is correct. Thorsten, thank you again. And I do hope you'll come back on. And then it will not be a long-distance phone call. Exactly. We'll find a time and place. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you, and a special thank you to all of our listeners, and I'm certain Thorsten joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week. That is correct. Thank you very much. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.